the biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Vic Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Dr. Vic. And as always, before we jump into another interview, uh, I want to share a little bit about this amazing person that I've gotten to know in the last six to eight weeks. Um, she's She comes, her heart is so big. Her vision is so big of what she wants to do. And I've been so awe-inspired by this. That I was like, I got to get her on my podcast. I got to get her here, share her heart, share what she's up to, share her story that is so transformative that it, it, it inspired me in so many ways. And um, it's just a blessing to have her on. Um, Courtney Anderson is who I had the opportunity to interview. And she is a sober coach, health and fitness coach, and she's the founder of Sober Vibes and Real Aligned Women. Both are an online support community for recovery and sober, curious women of all ages. She's a wife, a cat mom to her little fur pants, uh, Fiona, and she's a lover of all Bravo shows, personal development, being in the flow, fall time in pure Michigan, travel, the F word. Let me tell you, yes, I've heard her say the F word, sweet treats, uh, being kind and laughing every single chance she gets. It's one cool thing about her is um, there's so many. Uh, my favorite day of my life is August 18th, as she states, 2012, because that is the day I finally stopped the madness of addiction and started to do some real living. So this podcast, we get in some tears. She almost got me too. She got me teary at the end. All right, I'll admit, I got a little teary eyed at the end. Um, but she she gets teary eyed. She shares some just awesome stuff, man. It's just I was so so happy to have her on and. Uh, you know, enough of the, the cliffhangers here, enough of the uh, the anticipation that I'm trying to create. Um, let's go ahead and let's jump into this amazing interview that I had the opportunity to with Courtney Anderson. So, Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Vic. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited with a little touch of nervousness. <laughs> I love it. That means it's going to be a good one. I mean, you are, I was excited to have you on. I, I've been keeping an eye on what you've been up to. And I was like, I got to get her on the show. Eventually you have so much, uh, you're up to so much. You're doing, you know, the Sober Vibes, you got your podcast. You just came out with Real real Aligned Women, right? Yes. Um, and you got programs that you do. And I just love what you're up to, the energy you're bringing to, to this world. And I was like, I got to get her out here and showcase this. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you for asking me. It's very, it's an honor to be here. So like any, any, you know, journey or story, we always, we all have a story, as I always say. And um, kind of curious to know, like, how did your like journey start? You know, we'll, we'll start, how did your journey start to get to where we are today? 
So my journey started at my, it was my final rock bottom. And previous to that rock bottom, I had, I don't know, 999 rock bottoms. But this is the one that really stuck with me. Um, So I had woken up on a Saturday morning. The night before was my last shift at the bar I had worked at for years upon years. And of course, I got completely shit-faced. I know I can swear on this, so I'm not even going to ask you. <laughs> Perfect. Just, just, I love being real, so just bring it. Yeah. <laughs> so I got completely shit-faced the night before, uh, went into a blackout. My boyfriend at the time was like, please don't start doing shots. And I just want to say for the record, I worked up to a couple hours and then somebody took over for me because we knew it was my last night. So I don't want people to think like, oh my God, are you still on the clock doing all this? So... <laughs> So it was a big party. I ended up getting completely shit-faced. The next morning, I wake up. My One of my best friends who stayed the night with me that night says to me, Court, Fiona's missing. And I was like, nah, she's fine. And uh, Fiona is my cat. And then she was like, and Matt's not too happy. And I was like, okay. So instantly, I had that bad feeling that I had had so many times before where it was instant, like, okay, I know this feeling last night didn't go well. Come to find out, I was in my blackout. I went out to smoke a cigarette, and I left the sliding glass door open, so Fiona escaped. Now, this was the second time I lost her in a blackout, and it gets me emotional talking about it because it's still, because that cat saved my life. That cat and Matt saved my life in that sense. So. Fast forward, Matt comes downstairs. The look on his face says it all. Um, And that day he had told me, he was like, you can continue drinking, but I'm not going to stick around for it. Because at that point, him and I were together for a year and a half and living together for about a year at that point. He was like, you know, the cat's missing. Something has got to change. If you don't want to change, I'm going to leave and you can continue on with your life. So at that point, that's when I really had to sit down and reevaluate my life and reevaluate the relationship I had with alcohol because it continuously brought me to this place. So I made a promise to I made a promise to the universe that if I had found Fiona, that I would give life without alcohol a shot. Three days later. I found her. <laughs> I found that little uh, that little precious fur pants, and I've been sober ever since August eighteenth of two thousand twelve. That is awesome. Power to you. Yes, thank you very much. I know it, it takes a lot to do that. I mean, was it it it, it, it was it kind of just that light switch, and it was done, and that was it. I mean, obviously, from what you it, just said, yes, but it was that light switch moment, Doctor Pick, but also too. I had known I had a problem with alcohol since I was 24, 23 years old. I mean, up at like at 25, I really in my soul was talking to me where it was just like you, if you want the life you want, this has got to go. But it took me a while to get there to where I finally said enough was enough and completely not drink at all. Because for many years, I had tried to moderate my drinking. I had tried to, you know, like, oh, I'm not going to, I won't do shots. I'll just drink beer or I'm just going to drink wine. I won't do, I won't have any hard alcohol. I'm only going to drink on Fridays. But at the, at the end of the day, alcohol in me just, 
it just doesn't work. I mean, I'm allergic. <laughs> my, I'm allergic to, my brain is allergic to alcohol. I'm not the type of person who can have one and be done. After that first couple sips, I could legit feel the switch in my brain. Like be like, okay, let's keep going. There was no off switch. Interesting. Um, and I love how you, you know, you said about like moderate drinking, because sometimes people uh, will try to, I don't want to say dumb it down. And I know you have more expertise than, than I do on this, but I just, from my perspective, um, but like, they'll be like, okay, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I'm going to drink less. And usually that usually doesn't work for the most part. Would you say? No, I don't because then, and that's how at the end of my drinking history, at the end of my drinking career, it was, I wasn't, and that's something that I talk about a lot. I wasn't an everyday drinker. And I think there's this whole big, uh, there's this whole big thing of alcoholism where people think you have to drink every day to be an alcoholic and you don't. So when my whole thing was when I was only drinking once a week, every time that once a week I would drink to black out. It wasn't how many days I was drinking. It was when alcohol hit my lips, <laughs> there was an issue. So you can try moderate drinking, but it's going to lead you back to where it's going to lead you in that vicious cycle, you know, where it's just, it's, if you have a problem with alcohol, it's not, you can't control it. There's no control. Gotcha. And it, it was, did, when you did, when you stopped cold turkey, was there anything that like, did you ever have a, oh, like a, an urge to ever want to like it, it come back and like, oh, you know, maybe I could go for a nice, I don't know, glass of wine or something like that. Yes. I'm glad you asked this question because there has been many times up in my recovery where especially those first two years, you go through a grieving process. And at a point after, I think maybe it was like 90 days, that 90 days to about six months, I really was, I really was like, oh, why can't I just drink normal? And then after a year, I really thought to myself, I was like, well, maybe I can just have a couple drinks and it would be fine. So you're always going to reason you're always going to try to reason for yourself to have that one thing. It's like same thing with um, it's like same thing with treating yourself too. When some people don't have control over food, it's like, oh, I'm going to treat myself to that piece of cake, and that piece of cake can lead down the rabbit hole. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, I totally know what you mean. Uh, I'm with you on that. Um, so yes, to answer your questions, periodically through my recovery, I have had thoughts in my head of. Maybe I can drink normally, but the answer is no. And it's funny how the mind will will play games with you and try to rationalize and give you situations of, well, maybe just this or maybe just that um, along the way. So kudos to you on that. It, it takes a lot of power to make that change. And and I also commend you, too, because, like, honestly, you know, when, it, when people think of alcoholism, at least I know. For me, back in the day, I was like someone who drinks every single day, needs to have the bottle every single day with them or whatever their, their, their choice is. Um, and you brought it up where it was more of a once-a-week type of a thing. Right, because, I mean, and that was the thing. I was a binge drinker, so it wasn't, I mean, early on in my drinking, like I fell in love with drinking at 19. So I didn't drink a lot in high school. As soon as I turned 19 and I live in the Detroit metro area, um, area and Canada is 30 minutes away. 
So the drinking age in Canada is 19. So when we used to go to Canada, when I turned 19, I fell in love with it, (laughs) fell in love with that atmosphere. So like, so yes, you don't have to drink every day. So the, if you looked at the timeline of my drinking, it was like every day and then slowed down, slowed down to just once a week Mm -hmm. and then drinking like that, you know, blacking out. That's not, that's not good. No, that's not good at all. I agree with you there. Um, why do you think then, you know, because like I, I think there was a stat I read a couple uh, maybe last year and it was talking about like the number one consumed beverage in America and, and it wasn't water, which was shocking. Um, it was actually beer. Um, why do you think it is that we, we, we tend to drink or we go to drinking uh, as, a, as a norm in society? Because it's socially acceptable. And this is, I get questions all the time of why I do not drink. Would you ever ask a person, why do you not do cocaine? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. But seriously, why aren't you doing heroin? Like, oh, you're not, you're not shooting up heroin in your arms or, oh, you're not smoking crack, but it's, it's an automatic, like when, cause now I don't, cause now I'm so comfortable within myself and in my recovery. So when people are like, oh, you don't drink, I'm like, no, straight. And I just tell them off the bat. But early on, it was like the looks people gave you. And it's just like, it was like, they, it's this look in their eye word. And then they followed up, well, what do you do for fun? <laughs> <laughs> it's twisted. <laughs> it is so, because that is how we've been programmed from very early on. I mean, the, the commercials of beer, alcohol, and all the celebrities who endorse cocktails. Like, it's just, it's so in our face and we are so numb to it. It's so true. I mean, I was when I was in high school, and unfortunately, I mean, it's it's still an issue today. But drinking back then in high school was uh, uh, something of the thing to do, and uh, thankfully, I didn't do it. But it was one of those things where I remember my cousin and I we would go out to clubs to dance. We loved dancing, and mm-hmm. people would think we were drunk because we would be on the dance floor the whole night, never stop, and we just had a blast. And they're like, "You're not drinking. You didn't do this. You didn't do that." And we're like, "No, you don't need that." And this is high school. This is what this, I love when you brought up the programming side because we used to be like, no, we're going to teach people how to have fun without it because you don't need it. Right. And so, um, but it is, it's funny how it is socially. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's programmed in us to, uh, um, that's something you do. Like when it comes to a celebration, what's the first thing that people think of? Champagne. Cocktails. Right? Exactly. And it's one of those things where, well, why do we have to have it? Is there other things that we can do? Or why do we even have to do anything? Why can't we just enjoy the moment? Exactly. So I know we see eye to eye on this one, but, but it's, it's just fascinating, to, especially I'm, uh, for me too, just to see, like, because I don't drink much at all, maybe six times a year, if that. Um, every once in a blue moon, a scotch will call me and I'll be like, okay, I think it's been a while. I can have one. Um, but other than that, it's like when we go out, friends will do the same thing. Like, you don't drink. And when they know me, they're like, oh, this is, you do it for health reasons. Well, I do it for health reasons, but sometimes I just, it's not a preference. Um, so, I, I, and I'm assuming you get asked that all the time about when it comes to why you don't drink. Exactly. I, and again, an early recover. And I think it's different for me because, too, I'm so open with it on social media and the stuff that I'm doing. So, like, people see it of why, and I explain it of why I'm drinking, but definitely because I didn't start really recovering out loud until I was 30, 60, between that 30, 60 day mark, um, of my own recovery. Um, so I just feel in the early stages, those first couple of years, it was like, 
people were just floored. Or then people, or you would get the people who say to you, to you which this is really why you have to be careful of your word. <laughs> <laughs> Two people, especially early in recovery, and they'll say to you, oh, you'll be back to drinking. Or when are you going to, when is this going to stop? Like, it's, it's wild, Dr. Vic, the stuff that people say to you and you're just like, oh my God. <laughs> I, I, I hear you on that one. I totally do. Um, is it now, I'm assuming now, is it sometimes you hear that also from your closest people to you? Um, yes. I mean, I've definitely had some close people around me say some of that stuff. But in all honesty, I looking back now, I didn't. I took it personal, but looking back now, it can, it's an insecurity they have with themselves or the insecurity they have with the relationship of alcohol they have. Gotcha. That is not, that is not, I don't want though people to take that as a judgmental statement because it, it's not a judgmental statement. It's just the facts of the reality. No, you know? of course. No, I totally get it. I mean, it's, it's, it's all, you know, it's what people do is they, you know, their fear, they'll put it upon you and project it towards you. And, uh, or I, know, I can go in so many directions with that, but it's, it's one of those things where, um, they, they, they want it, but then they, they don't, they don't want, it's their insecurity. As you said, they're, they're insecure yeah. about what they're doing. I'll and, I've had, and I've had people say to me, I wish you were still drinking. It's like, okay, okay well then <laughs> fuck you. Like, because at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, me drinking me, if I choose to drink, I'm choosing death. That is where my drinking was leading me. And it, I could have been at death's door. I was at death's door for 10 years. I mean, to drink till you're blackout. I, I've woken up in jail before. I've woken up in hospitals before. Just think about it. Being that hammered, falling and hitting your head could have killed me. Totally. And so... I've so it's just like, it's for me, it's, it's recovery is choosing life. I love that. I love how you say that. Um, I think it's huge because from a health perspective, I say drinking is one of the worst things you could ever do for your health. Um, I'm not saying there's other drugs out there. Other things are out there that are a little bit more on the damaging side, but it's, it's one of the things I look at it and just seeing from a neurological perspective, what it does to the body is just uh, mind blowing. Um, and how much Americans drink with it on top of it. It's like, I don't, you know, it's amazing what the body can do. That's all I could say. <laughs> right, the human body is a, is a powerful thing. And just to, I mean, what people don't even, what you're doing to your organs with the drinking, like it's just, it's, it's poison. Yeah. And it, do you think there's an emotional side to drinking in a sense uh, um, from your experience or from the work you do, noticing with others that you work with, um, how much is associated with emotional stuff? Oh, 100%. When I started drinking and I got that first taste, when I and fell in love with that, it made me feel like I was... I don't want to say on top of the world. I don't want to quote the Titanic, but it made me feel, <laughs> it made me feel powerful. It it put on this blanket for me where I'm like, okay, it made because when you look back at your childhood, and I know I've talked to you about this before about like the introvert extrovert. Looking back on my childhood and getting the clarity that I have in recovery, I'm like, I was kind of an introvert, like I'm an introvert extrovert person. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I was always kind of shy. And so when I got that taste of alcohol and how it made me feel, that definitely was 
it helped me. It kind of helped me step out of my comfort zone in that way, but it also too made me forget my own trauma that I had in my childhood and growing up. And that's the fascinating thing I see about alcohol because it gives you that, that sense of, you know, and I'm an introvert myself. And so when I used to play, uh, you know, when, when I played rugby fairs on a state for a year. And one of the things about rugby is drinking. It's just part of the game in a sense. And since I never played before, I was like, okay, I'll just go with the flow on this. And it was funny how uh, friends of mine used to be like, I like when you're drunk, which I, I didn't really get drunk much, but I was like, wait a minute here. How do you like me when I'm drunk? What does that mean about when I'm a normal, you know, when I, when I don't have anything in my system? Right. <laughs> but it, it's one of those things. But the other side of the coin of that then is you feel that power, but then like you just said, there's the other side that comes up. That was, in my opinion, I always say is like we're trying to suppress it in a sense, and it actually a lot. It, it, I don't want to say it makes it worse, but it's kind of like that in a sense, um, where it's like, yes, I feel great, and then here comes the flip, and now here's the real stuff. Right. So then, in that sense of, uh, and then I started creating habit after habit, and my habit and hobby became drinking. And that is what my world became. So how I then dealt with everything, I had cocktails with it. Whether it was a good day, bad day, <laughs> Christmas, <laughs> Labor Day, whatever day it was, it was drinking. So I then formed this unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Gotcha. Uh-huh. And um, going along those lines then with that, how... Did you know? Because you always hear that alcohol destroys not just your 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 health and your body, but it also destroys relationships and so forth down that path too. Um, your experience or other people's experiences, did you notice that at all with that that kind of a concept? Yes, and it took it didn't take me until I was that first year of recovery. It, I didn't see it how my own actions. Not even when I was drinking. So then I had to, and then there was, so drinking, then the day before being hungover, canceling on everything, canceling on people because all I could do was lay on my couch and dry heave. And so then it showed me being sober, like, okay, my actions, even though I always said in my active addiction, I'm not hurting anybody, but that's the biggest crack of shit that you could ever tell yourself. That is such a lie because my actions alone of just me, taking a sip of alcohol, there was a whole ripple effect of what it would do to people, to everybody around me. And I see it a lot. And this is the one thing, because I work with a lot of women who are in recovery or active addiction. And a lot of women say they don't think that their kids know that they have a drinking problem. And I call bullshit on all of that because kids are very very smart and very intuitive little human beings. And they know you might be doing closet drinking where you're not taking a sip of the bottle, but your actions are different. Your energy is different. You know, so you're not fooling anybody. You're not fooling anybody. And I think that that's the, uh, that's the delusion people who are sick create for themselves. No, so true. And, and, Working with a lot of kids, I always teach moms about how they're sponges for energy and they can read everything. Yeah. Even even though they can't articulate it, they can't explain it in words, they know intuitively what's going on. Yeah, because yeah, it, it is. The person, there's just a shift. And Matt, 
who is now my husband, the boyfriend who told me, you know, gave me, didn't tell me, but he gave me a choice and he's now my husband. Love it. But he always said he, cause <laughs> I would used to come home and he would ask me, he was like, Oh, you know, he would ask me cause he knew it was a problem. Like how many drinks did you have? And you know what? I always told him, I would always tell him I had two to three beers, which was a lie. I probably had about 10 <laughs> shots, but he could always tell because he said that my right eye would always kind of go wonky. Like he could tell in my eyes. So if that's just, you know, just nobody's fool. You can't fool somebody. You just nope. can't. You can't. People pick up on it. It's so true. What got you to, from all this and everything, what inspired you to work with women? Was it just you just, it was just like you wanted to, was there a calling or you saw something in a problem or something? And you're like, I need to create a solution for this. Um, kind of all of the above. So, so since I was little, I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to help people. I just didn't know. in what I just didn't know how I would do it. So when I got to the point of, it was, uh, let's see, like two and a half years into my recovery, almost three. Um, I was working in the medical field. I was a medical assistant. Now, this was a choice I made in active addiction to go to start pursuing my career in the medical field because eventually I wanted to be a nurse. So I did my medical assistant. I got my foot in the door. I worked at um, a pain clinic for six years. So then I started to recover during that process. And then I woke up to the whole uh, epidemic with prescription drugs. <laughs> That's a whole topic for another day. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I saw the medical field and was in it. It was a very negative um, environment for me. And seeing people become, you know, seeing this shift in people, it just wasn't right. So... I went, Oprah had a Life You Want tour that came into to Detroit and I went. It was a two-day event with her. And that is when I started being like, because she talked about living your best life and, you know, had exceptional speakers there. And that's when it clicked me. I was like, I need, I need something more. I cannot work in this nine to five. I don't want this. So then after that weekend, I then start reading The Secret. And then a couple months later, uh, the Beachbody coaching opportunity came into my life because I wanted to lose 10 pounds for my upcoming wedding. So then I get into the Beachbody uh, coaching. That provided me in the past couple of years such an awesome platform to do my coaching. I left that nine to five terrible job. Um, and then I went back to bartending and waiting tables. And I know a lot of people are like, I don't know how you can do that when you were drink. But I went back there too, because it gave me the freedom in my schedule. But I also didn't want to fear alcohol. Because as I said earlier, alcohol is all around. It's never going anywhere. So I didn't want to continue to fear it. So I faced it. Love it. Um, so that then gave, so it's given me going into this coaching with my health and fitness coaching business. Then that has given me my other business of recovery, sober coaching, and the need for what I saw, because I have participated in support groups, and I will never bash support groups, but eventually it just didn't align with me and how I thought that there are other ways to recover than just support groups. 
So that is kind of what had opened up the door. And two, I mean, Dr. Vic, if you can share your story with one person and it just helps them, like, I think you've done what you needed to do in your life. You know what I mean? And that's kind of how I feel that if I can share my story and be open and out loud with somebody else. See, I get emotional. You're making me cry. It's an Oprah moment. I love Um, it. (laughs) This is what we've talked about in our five-week course of seeing your vision come to life, right? Mm -hmm. So... If I could just share my story and help some other woman out there being like, you know what, I don't need to keep masking myself and treating myself so poorly with alcohol because I feel worthless. I mean, I have done my job, you know? Yeah. It it gives you a higher purpose, a higher sense of why you're here. Right. So, exactly. So, I just saw a need for creating something more and talking about it openly because alcoholism and addiction to addiction to whether it is crack, cocaine, heroin, uh, gambling, sex addiction, food addiction, there's such a shame. And it does, it has, it doesn't, people don't talk about it or they talk about it. It's so hush hush where it's like, Oh, Sally's got a drinking problem. Like, you know, it's just, it's the conversation around addiction. There's, it's shameful. It's quiet. It's like, no, people are sick. Yeah. No, it, it, it is. It's, and it's funny how it's, it, it's so hush hush. I mean, I grew up with a, a grandfather who used to have a drinking problem. And then he had a, a gambling problem that was like, we, I knew something. We, I knew as I was growing up, something was up. But and thankfully, my mom would talk about it with me. But like, if you, if I went to my grandmother and said something, nothing. Mm-mm. Nope, everything's fine. No, it's okay. No, 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 it's okay. Nothing. Right. And I expect everybody. I I respect everybody who wants to be anonymous. I will never. I will never take that away from. I would never be like, no. Well, you should recover out loud. I respect that. If you don't want to yeah. be in this platform, that is fine. But. Also, too, in support groups, even the anonymous thing, like I just, it's like, well, where's the empowerment of this? So that's kind of where with my whole thing of it's like, let your past empower you of where you are today. I like that. (laughs) That's good stuff. Thank you. Good stuff here. Uh, Excuse me. Yeah. So with your, with the whole programs that you do, is there like a, a, do you have a systematic process or something you can share or how you help individuals through things? Is there an awareness process or what's uh, what, what is it that you um, walk them through in a sense? Well, each person is different. I have to say that. So it's really, it's each person is different. And I think that the one thing that I can say that each person in the process that we do recognizes together, you really have to recognize in what we do together of the work we do together. I'm sorry. Is why did you start drinking? Why, why did this start happening? And it's really too, I think once you recognize and understand why you started it, that's when the healing and the recovery happens. Got it. That makes sense. You know, so, and then it's just more, it's more accountability. It's more giving you tools. It's understanding the grieving process of the old life you once had, because you have to grieve that you will be sitting there crying 
for, I cried for months, Dr. Vic. (laughs) (laughs) I could imagine. I cried for months because I had to let that shame and guilt out of me for what I did in my active addiction because I was a shitty person. I was not a good person and the, and the shit that I did, you know, it just, it, it wasn't healthy. So you have to release that and you have to grieve because you're going to have to grieve your friends too. You're going to lose friends in your recovery, but you gain a lot. You gain new friends who are on the same wavelength with you. So it's a lot that goes into it. I love it. And it's, it's, you know, the, 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 as you know, the vibration of shame is the lowest human emotion that exists. Um, and, and one of the things that you said that I, it's just hitting me right now is talking about how for you drinking is death. And really, if, if drinking puts you in the more shame state, that is death. That literally is. Yes. And I think, too, that that is um, – there's high statistics in relapse and recovery. It happens. And I think, too, if you don't process that shame and cry it out, journal it out, meditate it out, and process what you are feeling – that is easier, easily triggered into relapse. So that is why, too, like in early recovery, you really have to watch what you say to people. Did you see the uh, movie A Star is Born? Mm, I don't think I did. Okay. It just came out with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. I don't want to spoil it for you, but when you watch <laughs> that movie, if you ever do, like you'll see in this of like what your words, what you say to somebody can affect them in a terrible way. But yeah, it's the shame it's the shame that you really have to let go of and give yourself some grace because you're on a new path. Yeah. And, and, and the way it wovens into your life, I think the harder, the more, like you said, like a dying process has to exist in order for you to shed that old skin and, and, and create the anew. Right. And that's the whole, and I, I use this one all the time. There is beauty in the bottom. Me losing Fiona like that, because I was, there was beauty in that moment. And that's why when I got so emotional talking about it, because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. You have to hit, as I always say, humans have to get, they got to go to their, their hands and knees and get knocked down so hard to their hands and knees where it's all of a sudden they're like, okay, enough's enough. Exactly. And do that. With, and that was just enough's enough in that, Again, was my 900th and 99th rock bottom. And it was enough was enough because I was sick and tired of just being sick and tired. It was exhausting. I, I, I hear you on that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 999 times sounds exhausting to me. Right. <laughs> but no, and, and again, kudos to you again and making that, that, that choice and decision because addictions um, – one of my trainings I have is um, I'm, uh, I'm certified in, I should know this off the top of my head, um, uh, addictions and compulsive behaviors. And yes. it, it's one of those things that is such an epidemic. I mean, I have one of the teachers that I worked, um, I learned from, he would talk about how compulsive disorders, and he goes, it's not what you think it is. Um, he and he, I forgot how he breaks it down so elegantly, but he'll talk about how it is the masses, mass, massive epidemic in America that they're not seeing. And he's like, we're missing the boat. And addictions comes in with that, obviously, because there's compulsions with it. Um, but it, it was, uh, it, it's a scary, it, it's, 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 it's kind of messed up that we don't talk more about it and get it out there and informed. And that's the other thing too, where there's one addiction, two to three more will show up. 
So I also smoked cigarettes at that. I smoked cigarettes for years. I quit that after six weeks. I wish I would have waited baby steps, but whatever. It all happens how it's supposed to happen. But then too, I started in that year, I turned to food. And then I turned to, and I turned to food and shopping at the same time. So it's, you just, it's mindfulness that goes into everything. And it was just all, it's about compulsion. So, but don't you think too, Dr. Vic, that that is all something in the mind that can be, um, you can rewire your brain? Always, always. Mm -hmm. Your brain's always rewiring and it's always learning. So, um, you know, simple, simple chiropractic, that's a simple chiropractic principle that the brain is plastic and it's always continually changing and forming and evolving or de-evolving just depending on what you program it to. Um, but go ahead, I'm sorry. No, and I was just going to say, I think too, when you look at it, because that's something that I started looking at too, those first couple years of recovery was that it was about building new habits for myself and new hobbies. Like those first three months, I sat there in Mod Podge picture frames to keep my mind and my hands busy. You know, so I just, it's like you have to replace for me, I had to replace the act of drinking with something else and try to do it with something else that was healthier. The food and shopping came in because I wasn't taking care of that emotional. I was trying to replace besides those tears, like put, get that instant gratification. Yeah, it's uh, to me, from what I see on a neural side, it's just it's it's a dopamine addiction, like that you want that short, fast burst of a dopamine response, Um, you know. And it's one of those things where I love how you said it because this is what I usually tell people, and I work with people on this. Is I'll share, just tell them if you have an addiction to something like that, that's negative. Flip it to something positive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my mother, she used to smoke, and when she stopped smoking, she found fitness. Mm-hmm. And that became her new addiction. And it's been her addiction for the whole entire life. And so it's it's one of those things where, um, just like anything else, a negative thought, flip it with a positive. Just change change what the focus is. Spin in a different way. Um, and it's, it's so it's just looking at, you know, for all the listeners out there, it's just, you know, change the habit with something that's a little bit more on the positive side. And, and, and it isn't a dopamine addiction. Unfortunately, in today's world, our dopamine addictions are social media. Mm-hmm. And it's just how many likes, how many likes, some of this, who said this? And it's just check the phone, notifications, boom. And it's these, these short, fast bursts. And it was designed that way. It was designed to how can we get someone hooked onto something and not be uh, X, Y, Z. Um, so it's, it's, and, and unfortunately that's what with the society we live in. Um, right. and it, it, uh, not fun, but it, it can change it. You can rewire it. Just again, habits create your, uh, um, um, your rituals that you do every day is what creates your, 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 your lifestyle. So it's one of those things. Right. And just for your listeners too, if you guys are feeling that way about the social media thing, turn your notifications off. The only notifications I ever have come through on my phone is my text messages. Love it. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And that's how I am too with mine. I don't have any, uh, I can't stand any notifications. It drives me nuts. <laughs> I will say so, Dr. Vic, your Instagram stories are getting really good. <laughs> you know, so some people, I'm not mentioning names, have been saying, you, got, you know, because I've had, I have this thing against stories, but it's a whole other topic I'm not going to go into, but I appreciate you noticing and thank you. <laughs> yes, they're getting out there. I like them. It drives me nuts. I'm still trying to figure out a way 
I told my wife, uh, cause we were, she's, she's been doing it and she's like, Hey, you need to really step this up. And I was like, you know what? I'm like, I'm going to figure out how I can spend like five minutes, just knock them all out. And then I'm done and I'm not doing anything else with this. Cause I hate having my phone near me. Right. Um, but I digress. So, um, you got your podcast, you're doing, uh, real aligned women and everything else with your programs. Um, I, I love it. You have any programs coming up in the near future? Uh, yes. So my real aligned women, um, my real aligned women podcast is with my business partner and friend Lori, who her and I actually met on social media three, four years ago through recovery. She is five years sober and it's, we have like the sister relationship. I love her dearly. Um, so her and I created this recovery community membership. So it's like, it's, it's a recovery membership for women only. Sorry, guys. Uh, Come on now. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole reason why her and I just did women. But um, so it's for women only recovery membership. Um, and her and I have in there, it's, we do two coaching calls a month. We have one guest speaker. We just had our guest speaker this month and it was our mutual friend, uh, Carly. She nailed it. Love it. Um, a lot of trainings in there, but we are launching our first course in February and it's an eight week course called the Sober Sessions. I'm so excited for this. I saw that. I was like, Ooh, this looks like, a, this looks, this looks good. I like it. Yeah. So, uh, her and I are going to, uh, it's eight weeks. So each week there's a different topic of your recovery path um, from gaining new habits, new positive habits, creating morning routines, rituals, however you want to do that, processing through the grieving of your past life. Um, so it's just really, it's, there's a lot more in there. So it's going to be uh, once a week, we're going to do a video uh, courses, all of that. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for you. When's it when's it starting? Uh, that one's starting in February. And then each month too, I always have my health and fitness coaching that I do. Awesome. I like that. That's good stuff. Yeah, grieving's interesting. I know when I started my uh my, my, my spiritual journey, they always say the death of the ego emits the light of the the light of the soul and it's uh um, it, I, not that I had, I've gone, through, I've had an addiction on that level with alcohol or anything, but it's, it, it was like a dying process. Um, and that's, that's the only way I could relate to that. Um, but it, 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 it's, it's tough. I must say it is tough. Change old habits to break new, create new. But, and don't you think that what you're, once something gets explained to you like that, it just clicks and you're like, Oh, that's what that was. <laughs> I think eventually, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. I think eventually, yes, yeah. Because, I mean, like, I'm that type of way. As soon as it clicks, done, move, that's it. Uh, and I don't have to ever look back again. Right. Um, but some people, their mind's going to come back. They're, it's going to fight them. They're going to rationalize. Eagle's going to come through. It's going to do all these different things to try to pull you back because your brain lives off past experiences. Yes. And its whole job is, which is a great program. I'm not saying it's not bad because a lot of people in the, like in the spiritual realms would be like saying spiritual world would be saying like ego is horrible. You got to get away from ego. You can't let, and I'm always like, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for ego. We need it, right. but it's not letting it dictate your life. Right. And, and so that's where the whole grieving process is just a change of identity. I think in my, in my opinion. Yes. Would you agree with that? I would. Totally. Awesome. Anything else you want to share with the listeners before we uh, wrap up this amazing episode? 
Yeah, I just really want to share. And before I got on here, um, I got very emotional and I cried. And Aww. if you have, well, no, but this is in the good way. <laughs> I, that's what I meant it by. I meant it by that. Just FYI. <laughs> um, because I want anyone out there who is listening to this, who is going, who is in active addiction with whatever, it doesn't have to be alcohol, but with whatever you're going through. I was somebody who was once, you know, who used alcohol to suppress feelings, who did a bunch of cocaine, who eventually ended up smoking crack. Okay. Gotcha. Coming from the bottom to where I am now, I just want everyone to know that recovery is possible, but you have to believe in yourself and do not ever give up. Even if you relapse, get back in the game and keep going because your life is worth it. I love that. That's powerful stuff there. And I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying thank you in my tears. (laughs) (laughs) Made you cry a couple times there. I'm sorry. (laughs) Our Oprah moment. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. And and just to commend listeners who are listening to it, you know, I I use a model that, you know, you're going to, sometimes you get knocked off track, but the, the key thing is not to get hung up on that. Just get back. Just keep going back. And that's the thing. And it's like, just from working with a bunch of women, like the relapse, if they relapse, they beat themselves up. And it's like, at this point, it's like, what is the point of beating yourself up? You're just going to create yourself in that mindset and continue to spiral down. Like you, you, you can't ever forget the time you had before the relapse and the person that you still seek out to be. That's still possible for you. Yeah. And I love how you said, just believe in yourself. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, when it comes to anything in life is you, you have to just believe in yourself that it's possible. Right. Cause here I am six years later on your podcast. Look <laughs> you at know that. What I mean? so yeah. it's, just, it's in your own time and it's, it's laid out for you, but you have, you have to put in the work on yourself and look at what all you're creating and the lives you're touching and all that just from the choices you made. Yes. You know, and that's, that's where I always tell people like there's a blessing in everything and we just have to, and this is kind of like my new book coming out in, in June, we'll be talking a lot about this, but it, there's a blessing in everything. And once you, you, you shift mindset to look at the blessing, all of a sudden you grab way more lessons and you see how it actually propelled you. It was there for many reasons beyond what we can ever imagine. Can I also say too, that this is very fitting that the day that I do your podcast was the, uh, today, this morning, I finished your book. Really? Yeah, I finished your book this morning. And then when I was done, I was like, this is very fitting that this I finished his book and I'm doing his podcast today. That is awesome. I hope you enjoyed the book, by the way. I did. It's great. Awesome. I appreciate that. So how can people get a hold of you? Um, you can email me at SoberVibes at gmail.com. Uh, I have my Instagram account, Courtney Anderson. I have a Sober Vibes Instagram, Sober Vibes Instagram account, Real Wine Women Instagram account. I know it's aggressive. <laughs> wow, you got, you're, you're really out there. I got, I'm learning from you here. I keep going, yes. <laughs> it's a lot, but with the Real Wine Women stuff, I, my business partner, Lori, and I do that one together. So um, you can find me on Facebook, Facebook uh, Sober Vibes. And then realalignedwomen.com, and you can gain access to to our podcast there. Awesome. And then you got the program in February, which I know is on your website. Yeah, it's on the website uh, to sign up for that. 
you can sign up and join the waiting list. And this is the other thing too, with the whole, with this, we work with people, we, me and Lori and myself, I work with people who are still again, in active addiction. So even if you're sober curious and want to see what the process is or what's going on and meet some people who are going through it, it's for all, for all women. Thank you for clarifying. I was going to ask you about that, but perfect. Well, Courtney, I, uh, this was fun. Thank you. You you have a really powerful story. I see a lot of books coming out from, uh, from you, uh, in this journey. I've said it before to you and I'm, I'm saying it again here live with all the listeners listening. Thank you. Pressure. (laughs) No, well, that's my plan for 2019. And I actually found, I switched over to another book title that came to me last night. I love it. Um, so yeah, I could definitely see uh, you have a powerful story and, and the work you did to break out of that and get out of that pattern to where you are now is uh, they should do a movie on it. Seriously. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't, I don't talk like this just to make it feel good. I'm not that type of person. So uh, powerful story. Thank you. Can I say too that um, for any of your listeners, I just completed Dr. Vic's five-week course, um, and it was one of the best decisions I have done for myself. So <laughs> I would strongly suggest it for anyone. And Dr. Vic is a Dr. Vic. You are a blessing, and I said wow. that to you in the group. And it's just you have impacted my life in such a powerful way, and I appreciate what you're doing. You're almost getting me teary eyed now. <laughs> <laughs> you should put a disclaimer in this episode. Like, you may cause crime. <laughs> I love it. Now, I appreciate that. It's, it's, you know, like you said, uh, you know, one story or one thing that could change someone's life makes it, you know, all the better. And, you know, you've done your part for the, you know, in this world. And so hearing that just, like, you know, uh, reinforces that even more for me. So thank you, really. You're welcome. Well, this was exciting. I appreciate you. Appreciate all you're doing. And um, again, just thank you for being on and uh, keep keeping that fire, that flame, uh, flame, uh, flame, flame, yeah, flame burning bright. All right. Thank you, Dr. Vic. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is drvic21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, Pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential.